Amen. Good to see you guys tonight. You guys all got your Christmas shopping done? I guess that's the, the big question. A couple of you. Anybody that doesn't? Anthony's here. He can open up the bookstore if you if you really need something, you know, tonight that uh, you know we could help you out with. That's what we're here for. Where sin of procrastination abounds, grace in the Calvary Chapel bookstore abounds all the more. Well, tonight, it's really a devotional. Um, John Jones is usually here on Wednesday night. In the next two Wednesdays, he's not going to be here uh, due to the fact that uh, they are playing it safe with regard to the COVID virus that has hit their home. So we pray for Emily and for John and the boys and know that God uh, will protect them, keep them, and bless them through this holiday season. And so I thought tonight um, I'd share with you a word. You see it all around town. You don't normally see it, you know, the rest of the year, but it comes out at Christmas time. It's the word joy, right? I mean, you'll have it. It's in people's front yards. It's, you know, on Christmas cards. It's on buildings. It's, you know, in songs that you hear. And yet it never changes. It's as Kat was sharing, you know, and doesn't make any difference really what goes on this year, goes on next year. I mean, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and, and joy is something that we can actually enjoy uh, 365 days a year. But if we were really honest, eh, we don't have it all that that much. But yet Christmas time is a great time of the year that comes to the surface, and we look for it, we seek it, we celebrate it, and we definitely enjoy it. And so I guess starting tonight, you know, off, I would ask you, you know, how is your joy meter with Christmas just being a, a couple days away? Would you say that your joy meter is high or is your joy meter low? Or because of COVID, is it just kind of flat this year? And uh, the answer is really different for each and every person. You know, a few weeks ago, I was sure that for my wife and I, that our joy was gone. Uh, she had left in the morning. She leaves when it's dark. She's at work at five o'clock in the morning. And um, I'd left early in the morning, came back home, and when I was coming down the street, I went past our house. Most of the time I come from the church, so I come up the street and just turn into the driveway, but this I came from the other side, from the north, and I'm coming past my house, and I'm looking, and you know how you know something's missing? I mean, you look, and it's just not, it's not normal. So I'm looking, I'm trying to think, what is it, what's different? And I go, oh yeah, our sign. My wife had a little Christmas tree sitting on a on a bench out in front, and she had these little cute little snowman things that are made out of, you know, rounds of, of you know, trees that were cut down and just really cute. And, and then this sign, and I, and I thought it was a red sign that said joy on the front of it. And I thought, somebody stole our joy. So I text my wife and I said, hey, did, did you move the sign that was on the front of the house? And she said, oh, no, thieves, they, they, took, they took our joy. And I was like, yeah. And I, so I told her something, you know, and so she thought about it for a little bit. And then she texted me back. She says, oh, no, honey, they didn't get our joy. They stole our believe sign. So our belief in Christmas went out this year, I guess. But uh, she said, joy is safe. It's in, the, it's, it's in the living room. And so I walked in there. Sure enough, you know, the nice, really cool sign says joy, and it's painted red. And uh, it was still there. So I just want you to know that regardless of, you know, uh, 
Jesus said, you know, store up your treasure in heaven, right? He said, where, you know, thieves, you know, can't break in and steal, you know, moths don't destroy it and all that. And you go, and so just know this, they, they did not steal our joy. And uh, so we still have our joy this year. And it, and it made me think about that, you know, a lot. And it was funny, people go, well, they stole your belief, you know? And I go, well, thank God that my belief isn't in a sign. <laughs> my belief is in Jesus. Amen. Now, joy, on the other hand, can be associated a lot of times with an emotion or a feeling. If you talk to most people, if you said joy, they really associate their joy with something that's temporal, more like happiness. And if you really want to simplify it and think of it in theological terms anyways, we'll look at this tonight. Happiness is always tied to happenings. I mean, that, that's what happiness is. You can have, you know, I could drive down the street and the sign's gone. That doesn't make me happy. That can make me sad. You go, but it's tied to a circumstance or an event where joy is actually, we see in scripture, it's a fruit or it's a byproduct of the very presence of God in our life. So it's not subject to being stole. Nobody can, you know, rip off your joy. You can relinquish your joy to a certain degree, but really that has more to do with the emotion of it. And there is a joy is part emotion. But for the most part, joy is internal. So you could say happiness has to do with external. Joy has to do with internal. And again, and the scriptures have so much to speak about that. What I love when I, I think about Christmas time and that word joy, because you see it everywhere and it does stand out, is that, that we would understand afresh that joy is part of the Christian faith. It's one of the demarcations. You know, Christianity is, is a joy-filled faith. It's all through our practice. Where in other religions, you know, and, and people will say this because you'll talk to people even about Christianity, right? And they go, oh, you know, yeah, I went to church and you go, but you know, um, I tried it, but you know, it's just such a downer. And you go, why is it such a downer? And they go, well, all the pastor talked about is all the things you can't do. It's like, you know, the, everything in the Bible is do not, do not, do not. And that's not true. You know, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give you life more abundantly. You know, John 15, 11, Jesus, you know, again, he says it this way. He said, these things that I've spoken to you and what he was talking about, you remember, he said, you know, my father is the, is the vine dresser. And he said, I'm the vine and you guys, us, you know, Christians, believers, followers of Christ, we are, we are branches. And, and our sustenance, you know, comes from God. We don't grow ourselves. You know, we just stay connected. We're just called to be connected to, to Jesus who's connected to the Father. And, and Jesus in that is saying, you know, basically, I, I take care of you. You know, as long as you got to do, it's not, it's not religion. It's not trying to, oh, if you do this and you do this and you do this, you might get in, you know, to heaven one day. No, he, was, he, he made it so much better than that, so much easier than that, that he took care of it. He said, my father's the vine dresser. And he goes, I'm the vine and you're the branch. And you know how a tree grows. The, the water goes into the ground or it comes from, you know, the rain above and it goes through the root system. So it goes through the vine where, and then it passes through to the branch. And Jesus is saying, I provide for you. I'll take care of you. And, and he says, and then with that realization of that, he says, these things I've spoken to you that you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. 
you know, that he, joy, you could say, is the business of heaven. I love that. It's a great quote. Joy is the business of heaven. And you think about, you know, all the songs, and I was going through them today, you know, the songs, I mean, there's thousands of songs within the Christian faith that have the word joy in it. And yet, like I said, a lot of people, there's, there's no joy. They look at, you know, it's like everything within Christianity is, you know, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I can't do this. And you go, man, you read the wrong Bible. You know, that's not, that's not God's implant, his intent, his plan for our life. The word joy in and of itself, as you read through the Christmas story, and I've done it every day, you know, uh, this last week, man, going into this week, just reading it over and over. You know, my wife and I, we share that with our children. They have since they were born where they could, couldn't even read. And we would read the Christmas story, you know, on Christmas Day. That's how we begin every Christmas with them is the focus to be on the Lord and not on, you know, the gifts and stuff that we get and all that and really the joy that we can have. And, and, I, and, and I think, you know, for me and for my family, because of the fact that we are, like many families, kind of displaced this year, you know, our, our daughter lives up north and her husband and family, I mean, they're not going to be with us, you know, for Christmas. And that's hard. That's hard for us. It's hard for them uh, to be away and not be able to be together because Christmas is about coming together. I mean, you think about what God has provided, you know, in Christmas, that Jesus was born into this world to save us, that we could become part of God's family. You know, every religion, if you think about this, every religion is interrupted by death, isn't it? Every founder of every religion, they might've been doing really good, and then ultimately one day they died, right? And that's kind of, then, then the whole thing becomes about what that person said when they were alive. You know, Christianity is the only religion, it's the only faith that death hasn't interrupted the message. If you think about it, and you go, why? Well, because he forever lives. He died, and three days later, he rose again. He died so that we could live. You know, Kat was just leading us in worship, talking about that very thing, you know, from Isaiah, that by his stripes, you know, we're healed. And so this is such a wonderful faith, you know, that, that we speak of with regard to Christianity. And so joy is something that the Lord is pulling out in this text. And, and I encourage you to go back and read, you know, Matthew's account and Luke's account of the Christmas story. Because Christmas is really, truly a joy-filled celebration. And, and like I said, and, and understand that it's more than an emotion. You know, again, happiness will always depend on, on the happenings. And so I get it. Many people this Christmas are not going to be happy because they're not going to be with their loved ones. They're not going to be with their friends. I mean, I've done more drive-by birthday parties this year than I can even care to tell you about. And I go, and it's, sometimes it seems like the silliest thing in the world. But we're making do the best we can. You, you know, that, that old saying is, you know, you just go with what you got. And this is what we got. This is the, the cards you could say that we've been dealt with this year. And so it's still a way to communicate to people that, hey, though I would love to be able to, you know, come and to be with you. But since we can't, you know, hey, the next best thing is I'm going to do at least a drive-by, you know, and honk and, you know, decorate, you know, our vehicle or whatever it's going to be just to communicate love. And so... Uh, again, it's like Jesus saying, going the extra mile, right? And, th and that's what we do. And so this is one of those years. So I, I do understand this, why it's been so important to me to talk to you about joy, because I know that if you mistake joy for happiness, this is going to be a lousy Christmas. But if we truly begin to comprehend joy, the joy that Jesus desires that we have and the joy that we can, then no circumstance, no, nothing, 
that we would ever face, whether this year, like Kat said, is a good year, next year is a good year or a bad year, you can still have joy. Matter of fact, you think about it, you know, I'll throw this one in for free. Uh, won't even charge for this one. You think about it, and Jesus said, for the joy that was set before him, right? He endured the cross. For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Is there anybody here that thinks that Jesus enjoyed the cross? How many have seen The Passion of the Christ that you guys that are here, you, you saw the movie? Yeah, I mean, and that was a movie, right? I mean, it didn't really capture in the fullest degree what Jesus went through. And it couldn't because of what he went through spiritually in the realization of what we, we understand from the Garden of Gethsemane when he perspired blood drops, that the realization that he was about to be separated from his father. Never before done in eternity past, Jesus and the father. We're going to be separated when Jesus went to the cross willingly in our place. And so there was nothing joyful, you know, about the cross in and of itself. But it says, but for the joy that was before him, it was because he knew what the cross would accomplish. He could see through it to the other side. He knew, and what this is where you and I have to stand tonight, in the faithful promises of God. And understanding that what? All things that we go through in this life, the Bible says all things work together for good to them that what? That love God and are called according to his purpose. Happiness, temporary. Joy, eternal. Here's a great definition of joy. And I love this. It says joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of our lives that results in a quiet confidence that all things do work together for good and is expressed in praise and honor of God. Something to think about. You know, I love the word ponder. Ponder, you know, it means to, it's like a, a cow chew, chewing on its cud. It's just, you know, you just chew on it for a while. You just, you know, we, we need to ponder God's word. Look with me, if you would, tonight, Luke's gospel, chapter 2. We'll pick it up in verse 8. And it's the announcement of Jesus' birth to the shepherds. And I just wanted to walk through this with you and just remind you, because really it's about the gospel. You know, Jesus' whole life, his birth is about the gospel and we think of what is the gospel, the good news that God would love this world so much that he would send his son. You know, to really for us to comprehend, Jesus was born to die. That wasn't the end. It's like, oh, you know, he died. That was it. And it's like, no, he, he died. And three days later, he rose again from the grave. And we know that he's doing what now? The Bible says that he's preparing a place for us. Jesus said, I'm coming back. I go in my father's house or many mansions. And if it wasn't so, he said, I, I, I would tell you. He said, but I go to prepare a place for you that you could be with me. Because that's what Christmas is all about, is that God came near. You know, again, Kat was sharing this in worship. God came near so we could come near to God. And we can miss that at Christmas. We can get so caught up in the commercialization of it. And we can miss the joy of God's love for you, not just corporately. And these are some things that I hope come out in this text as we look at this. Look there in verse eight, it says, now there were in the same country, I'm talking about in Israel, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
There they are in the Galilean region, the, right outside of Jerusalem there, uh, Bethlehem, which is only about five miles south of, of uh, Jerusalem. It says, and behold, it says, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. It says, and then the angel of the Lord said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. You know, and I want to stop there for a second because one, you think about who God, God is, you know, remember, you know, from Malachi to Matthew, there's 400 years where God hasn't said a word. I mean, it's just quiet. And then all of a sudden to break through on Christmas morning and the way that he did it and who he did it to. You know, we know that there's prophecies. We know the prophecy, you know, of Micah, you know, uh, declaring that, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. I mean, that, that prophecy was 700 years, you think about it, 700 years before Jesus was born. So God had made this promise. So you would think that, you know, all the prophets, right, all the biblical scholars they would be the ones that, that God would come to and just say, hey, just know that this is going to be happening, you know, right over here, just like, you know, you've read. But it says that he appeared, the angels appeared to the shepherds who were out in their field. And there, so there's some things that you, you need to understand. And the reason we need to understand it is because we can sometimes question this ourselves. you know, like, God, why did you choose me? I don't know if you've ever laid in bed at night in your own thoughts and think, you know, God, why would you choose me? I, I'm I'm a, a worthless sinner. I, I deserve hell. I I get that. I know that about me. And here, and I read this story, and and you think, okay, it's a shepherd, right? Well, there's a few things that you need to understand about this. Yes, they were shepherds, but they were shepherds who were watching their flocks out in the fields near Jerusalem in Bethlehem. Historians tell us those particular shepherds were shepherds who took care of the flocks that were used for the sacrifices in Jerusalem. You know, then you think of John's gospel, and it says where Jesus was recognized by John, it says, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. That here's God, born in Bethlehem, amongst and recognized by the shepherds, the Lamb of God. And yet, these shepherds, they were the lowest class within society. They were looked down upon. They weren't Bible scholars. And yet, God chose them to bring this message to, that the birth of his son. I mean, think how profound. 400 years. Think about this. The magnitude of this moment, right, in time. It's been silent for 400 years. You would think that, you know, if, if in our logic, you know, you and me, we'd be going to Jerusalem, right? We'd be going to the high priest and make sure that, you know, all of, you know, the Jews and the Jewish people fully understood that their Messiah, you know, had come. And yet, God goes to these, the lowest of low shepherds. And they were so low, to put this in perspective for you, that, you realize this, shepherds couldn't bear testimony in a court proceeding. They weren't even believed. So that, that to me, even makes it even more profound. 
You think about that, that they are so disregarded in society that their testimony isn't even allowed in a legal discourse. And yet God goes to the shepherds then, and they're going to be responsible for doing what? Spreading the entire message. And I read that and I go, thank you, God. Thank you. The wisdom of God that confounds the, the wisdom of man, that God would choose somebody like me, like you. And he has, and he does, and he will to proclaim the message. You know, Jesus said it best, I mean, so we don't get too high on ourselves here. He said, if you don't worship me, what did he say would happen? Yeah, even the rocks would cry out. So it's a privilege. It's a privilege that we get to worship him. And it says, but yet look at their response, you know, there in verse nine. And when the glory of the Lord, and we're gonna be talking about that tomorrow night, the light of God, the glory of the Lord shone around them, it says, and they were greatly what? Afraid. Yeah, we all deal with fear. You know, fear always robs us of our freedom. You're looking at, you know, all the things that have happened, you know, this year with regard to COVID. And when we live in fear, what does it do? It immobilizes us. We don't have freedom any longer. You think about, you know, our national anthem. And we think about praying, you know, and singing. And, and when we sing, you know, the national anthem and we see the, the home of the brave, right? The land of the free and the home of the brave. Because wherever you see freedom, you see courage. And what happens is when you, there's this visitation from God, courage will come with that. And obviously it will happen as they testify. And it says, and then the angel said to them in verse 10, don't be afraid for I bring you good tidings. Now, if you read that translation, that good tidings, you know what the angel, and I would love, and I know you would too, to be able to hear what was shared because what was shared was the gospel. The, the, the angel wasn't just saying, hey, Jesus is going to be born. It wasn't just a Christmas story. It was the story of the entirety of the gospel account, that why Jesus had been born into this world and what his life and what his death and what his resurrection would accomplish. That's the good news that they heard. You know, we limit it just to, oh, that he's a, he was just a baby that's born here. No, they, got, they had a revelation. Their eyes were open. It says, don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, up to this point, what was God's plan for all you Old Testament scholars? God's plan was for the nation of Israel, right? He came to his children. When, when he tabernacled, did he tabernacle with the whole world out in the wilderness? You go, no, with the nation of Israel, because he put his hand upon them and he raised them up to be a light to the world. But they refused to be that light. They came up with the laws of Moses and and the Talmud of the Jews and all the interpretations, rabbinical teachings to do what? <laughs> to eliminate any responsibility that they had to their fellow man. So when you get to the New Testament, you know, Jesus would say, you know, under the law, you know, it says the law compels you to go a mile. So if you were a Jew, you could go to a friend and say, hey, I need help moving. I need you to go with me. And then they would go, all right, but under the law, I only have to go a mile. So you definitely didn't want to move over a mile. Otherwise, your friends took your stuff a mile and they dropped it off and they go, hey, you're on your own. But Jesus said, because of love being the motivation, he says, if someone compels you to go one mile, you do what? You go two. You go what? The extra mile. 
Yeah, and so here what the angel is declaring says, don't be afraid for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. So now the message isn't just for the Jew, but it's also for the Gentile as well. That's our message, that whosoever will, right? Book of Romans says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? Yeah, that's what we celebrate. It says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David. So now what is he doing? He's <laughs> declaring exactly what Micah the prophet, declared 700 years before what does that what does that tell us tonight that god's word is true that god's word is faithful you don't have to see it you don't have to even understand it that isn't going to negate you know god doing what god has said that he would do what we need to always be praying is god open my eyes to see that truth it says for there's born, because nobody was alive then from the time of Micah. There wasn't anybody alive for 700 years to see this. So that message had to be given. It had to be transferred from person to person. It was written in scripture and faithfully passed on from generation to generation. And it says, born unto you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. So you think about, you know, Jesus we think about you know his name Jesus Joshua that means God saves right Christ is is God's anointed and Lord is the declaration that he's God the Lord Christ the Lord God in the flesh I mean man we, right here in one one simple verse you know people want to you know argue about you know what is Jesus and who is he and what did he come to do and boom we get it right there it says, and this will be a sign to you, okay? So we know that he's going to be born in Bethlehem. But here's, here's another sign. So that way you don't miss this. And says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. They go, okay, that's not a real uncommon thing. But if you take it and, and understand what he's saying with that regard, a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, swaddling clothes were just strips of cloth. And those same strips, and think about this from a prophetic standpoint, right? that these strips of cloth are the same that you would use to embalm someone who had died. Which really, in the truest sense, that's what Jesus was being born to do. He was being born to die. The baby born in this manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, that would have been interesting, though. Lying in a manger. Wasn't unusual to find a baby, you know, wrapped in, in, in strips of, of cloth. That, okay, but lying in a manger? Now, that's not normal. That you would have, they would be in the inn or they'd be in someone's home, but not out in a manger. You, know, you talk about a demarcation. You talk about God, you know, going, I don't want you to miss the sign here, okay? It says, and suddenly there was with an, the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. So it starts off as an angel. And then what happens is, man, you've got a, the throng of heaven Behind it now, this is you talk about a choir doing what? And they're praising God, saying glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. The message of the gospel. In some translations, it'll say goodwill towards men with whom God is pleased. Because you think that, well, Jesus, you know, life and death didn't bring goodwill to every single person, but it's definitely made a difference in the body of Christ. I'll you go back and read Acts chapter 2. Think about the early church. 
and the world would look upon that church and they would see them loving each other and caring for each other and providing for each other. And it says, and the Lord was adding to the church daily that those who were being saved. And it says, and then even the world was looking on and, and wanting with interest. And you go, why? And you think about this from a joy filled perspective, you know, perspective is that you go, what kind of church, you know, do you want? Is this where you, you, know, you come in, you know, on a Sunday or Wednesday and it's just kind of like, and I'm not saying that there's not days that, you know, you're having a bad day and it's a, it's a great thing to be able to come in to God and to come into the sanctuary. But there, you know, like David in, in the Psalms would declare, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. You know, there was something that you go, hey, it's not what I get. It's what I, it's what I give. That's why we're here. We're here to offer something to God. We have, you know, I love that song, you know, Lord, forgive me. You know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you, Jesus. Forgive me for what I've made it. Because what we've made it many times is just like Christmas. You go, it's Jesus' birthday, but who gets all the gifts? We do. You know, and here's Christmas and the reminder, you know, whether it's bringing him gold and frankincense and myrrh, it was bringing gifts that are befitting a king and be reminded of that. And you go, what happens when you behold him? What happens when you really come face to face with God? It wouldn't make any difference if he was a baby or if he was a full-grown man. The reaction is going to be the same. It's going to be one of worship, one of praise. That's why I love it, you know, when somebody first comes to know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, and they come into church, and, and, you, can, you, and you can tell who they are, right? I mean, they're not, they're not bored in worship. They're not bored in, in Bible study. They're not bored in being here. They're, they're not in a hurry to get to Costco and get, you know, a, a toothpick of, of cheese, you know, that they can sample. And they're just, they're, they're just, they are just enjoying the very presence of God. Think about these shepherds, because that's exactly where these shepherds were at. They were the outcast. They were the downcast. They were, you know, <laughs> the, nobody really cared about the shepherds. And God brought his message that his son was born into this world, that God himself had come from heaven to earth and took on human form and was dwelling now amongst us. And they got that message. And it doesn't say that, though, they went back to their fields and were like, well, that was kind of interesting. And then went on about their business. Look what it says. Verse 15, it says, So when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing. See, they got a message, just like, you know, with anybody, there's a responsibility that comes with that. The message went forth, they received the message, and then they had to do something with it. It's like James says, faith without works is what? It's dead. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. They had to respond to this truth. It's not just, it's not just knowledge, you know, it's, it's wisdom, it's application. It's not just information, but it's acting upon it. It says, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Oh, what did they do? They got the responsibility of it. It says, and they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, what did they do? When they had seen him, you don't make widely known something you haven't seen. 
That testimony isn't any good. No, it's eyewitness. Have you experienced God for yourself? If you have, then you will make him known. You know, otherwise, it's just, well, you know, I went to church and I was watching these people and I was watching, they were, they seemed to really be engaging. I mean, they seemed, you know, to really have something, you know, going on, but I, I saw what they were doing versus, no, they heard the message, they responded to the message, and now they deliver the message. It says, and when they had seen him, they made widely known. They didn't just say, I went out and told a couple friends, you know. It says, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And it says, and those who heard it did what? They marveled at the things that were told them by the shepherds. Man, the shepherds went from, you know, I mean, last place to first place. I mean, having no place, you know, in speaking or sharing or testifying. And it says, they made it widely known. It says, but Mary kept all these things and she pondered them. There's that word. She pondered them in her heart. And you go, why? Well, she knew even more than the shepherds did. She knew the pain. She knew the hurt. She knew the sorrow. All the things that, that he would suffer and that she would suffer by being the mother of the Christ child. It tells us other portions of scripture. It says that Mary hid these things in her heart. She didn't just ponder them. You know, one of the things about being a mom, you know, it's like, I love talking to my wife about, you know, our kids and how my wife thinks because she thinks so differently than I do. My wife remembers so many of the intimate details about when she was pregnant with them and when she gave birth to them and the, the moments where she remembers their deepest hurts. Uh, she remembers the, the sorrows, you know, all those things. She ponders those things. Those, those become part of her. They're not just a story that, you know, she would look back on, but they're things that she carries with her. They become things that motivate her in her prayer life and how she thinks about our children. It's something very unique in, in the heart of a, a mother with regard to their child. It says, and the, then the shepherds in verse 20, it says, they return glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. You know, that's the awe of Christmas. They were glorifying and praising God for all the things. And that's what we need to do this Christmas, regardless of what our circumstances are, what's going on in the world, is it doesn't change the fact of who God is. It doesn't change the fact that he was born into this world to save sinners like me, like you, like those who have yet to hear the gospel message. And says, and then that they heard and they saw as it was told to them. You know, they don't have to change the message. They don't have to add to the message. They just have to declare the truth that they already know. Like I said, joy is the, is the business of heaven. You know, the main purpose, you guys, before we go tonight, is just remember this. The main purpose of life is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That, that, that's his that's his plan and purpose for all of our lives. I like what Martin Lloyd-Jones said. He said, the world is not going to pay much attention to the church. The thing that gets her attention, speaking of the world, is a spirit of rejoicing. That's how it was in the book of Acts. They saw the church come together and to rejoice. They saw that joy. And if the, and if the world's not seeing that joy in me and you, then they go, then they're not going to be interested. 
you think about the whole carnal lifestyle of, you know, going to a bar, hanging out in a bar, or even, you know, advertisements of, of what it is to, to participate, you know, in, in debauchery, you know, for the most part, you know, as you go, what is it? And you go, well, there's a sense of community, right? There's this sense of being together. There's a sense of happiness there. There's this sense of joy, you know, that they're not experiencing. So you need something, you know, you need something in that bottle to, you know, to get you going and to, you know, loosen you up. And, and as people will say, you know, to help you be yourself. It's pretty sad that you have to take a chemical in order to be yourself. And yet God says, you know, when we come to him and he fills us with his spirit, all the very things that we could ever want, you know, love and joy and peace and goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, you know, self-control, all those things, those things are ours by virtue of what? Remaining in the vine. And Jesus said that my joy might be in you and my joy be made full, being connected. And that's really the message of Christmas. I want you to, to think about this as we close. When we sing joy to the world, think about the lyrics. We sing joy to the world for the Lord what? The Lord is what? What's the word before come? The Lord is. The Lord is come. It sounds almost like it doesn't fit the sentence, right? But what is it saying when you think about that? Joy to the, to the world for the Lord is come. It doesn't say that he did come, right? That's what religion has. See, go study religion. You have a religious leader. Like I said, they're all dead. You have Christianity where death did not interrupt the message of the gospel. It's part of it. It didn't interrupt it because he's alive. So here's the declaration of Christmas. And this is why we can have joy tonight. It's why we can have joy all throughout this holiday. Is because the Lord is come. The Lord is here. We say, you know, wherever two or three are gathered in his name, that there he is in the midst of thee. He's here. Never to leave. He left physically. But he didn't leave spiritually. He prayed, remember? And he said, and I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit in my name. And he will be with you and he'll be in you. And he will seal you and he will empower you. He will teach you. He will lead you. He will guide you. And of all the things that people want, he said, I'll comfort you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is here. God is here. The Spirit of Christ is here because the Lord is come. That's what God opened their, their mind to and their heart to. And may he open my mind and your heart to that even more this Christmas. Yeah, happiness is tied to happenings. We get all that. But joy is tied to Jesus. Amen? And when we understand that, then we have, <laughs> we have gone so far more into what God would hope that you and I would enjoy at Christmas time. Joy to the world, for the Lord is come. He's here. 
And whatever we have need of, what we look for and all these gifts, you think about all the things that you think you might want or need or anything else, you have in Jesus. Everything that you could ever need is in him. And I love that. God's gift to this world is his son. And that's the message that the world needs to hear. And I pray that we get opportunity to widely spread that this Christmas. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. <clears throat> thank you for tonight and just an opportunity to share this one story that, Lord, is so deep and so rich, so timely, even for the moment that we live in tonight in a COVID-ravaged world. To know that death doesn't have the final say, sickness doesn't have the final say, but Jesus has the final say. That you were born into this world to save us. You didn't just save us from hell. You're saving us even today. And when you return, you'll ultimately save us. And Lord, I pray that this Christmas, maybe more than any in the past, that, Lord, we would just look to be connected to you. I thank you for these that are here tonight, that, Lord, out of a busy schedule, I think about those that wouldn't make room in the end. Jesus ended up being born in a manger. But, Lord, that was your plan. But, man, how they missed it. And I pray, Lord, that we don't miss it this year. Help us to not get going so fast and to become so sidetracked by all the, the lesser things. Help us, Lord Jesus, to look up, to fix our gaze afresh upon you, to store up our treasures in heaven where neither moth can destroy, where Rust can't destroy. Thieves can't break in and steal. It's safe with you. And may we know that unspeakable joy that your word speaks of. That's just so deep, so confident, not because of anything that we've done, but because of who you are and what you've declared to do. Everything that you've said, you've done, you've performed. You are so faithful, God. And Lord, we love you for that. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for being born into this world. Thank you that you can identify with us, that you know how we think, you know how we feel. The only difference is you've never failed, you've never sinned. And so you become the model who we look to, to lead us and to guide us, Lord. And may you do that this Christmas, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.